Hello, and welcome to Rewatch. My name is Seth. And I'm Zach. And this is the show about movies we love and movies we haven't seen yet. And this week, this is a show about Hitler. Yeah. So, oh shoot, I I had... We were gonna. I I was gonna have us like have a prepared statement. Oh, we should we should have a prepared statement. We should do but, that. Uh, I don't think um, we're good enough at public relations to have. Uh, a, wait, no. I think I texted routine. you something that would work. It's gonna be a while back though. Uh, uh, well, he tries to find Hitler. that and find the prepared statement. I'll give a uh, impromptu statement, which is that we're gonna talk a lot about Hitler today. And we're going to particularly talk about portrayals of Hitler. And in no way are Zach and I going to say anything good about the man. Because there is nothing good to be said. And I Here want we that go. up front and clear. Okay, he found the statement. All right. So, our, the official stance of Mark Spots the X Productions <laughs> on Hitler and Nazis. The Nazi regime and way of thinking was and is dangerous. Hitler was not a good person. That is, yep. I, that was I a bit anticlimactic, I realize, <laughs> since you basically just said that. But that's the official prepared statement. You can put us on the record with that. Yep. Uh, but we're going to talk about some movies that feature portrayals of Hitler and talk about that. And so we're going to start with a movie that you chose. Zach. Yes. Is this a five star, like top 10 movie? Uh, for you? Let me double check. It's definitely up there. Yeah. Um, Cause I know, I know you had talked about it a lot to me before yes. we, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is so, a five star. This is a five star movie. Um, yeah, so, so the movie we're dancing around is Downfall, Downfall. and we'll Zach talk about it. Yeah, so I saw this movie in college uh, on my laptop <laughs> <laughs> on vacation. Uh, I was like in a room off to the side by myself and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to watch a bunch of movies at night. Uh, so I watched Downfall, but uh, it's directed by Oliver Hirschbiegel. Uh, it came out in 2004. Starring Bruno Ganz as Hitler and Alexandra Maria Lara as Traudel. I'm going to try and say it the German way. Traudel Junge. Uh, it's better than what I would have done. Uh, and so, yeah, it's the last, I believe, nine days of Hitler's life in the bunker. It, at the end yeah. of World War so, II. So kind of leading up to him ultimately committing suicide with his yes. wife. Allegedly. And allegedly. <laughs> this isn't this isn't a conspiracy theory podcast. This know, is a yeah. movie podcast. In you this movie, your, in this movie, he definitely does. You can start a conspiracy theory podcast, but th- I'm not I won't be on that one with you. In this movie, Hitler does in fact kill himself. Right. Uh, I don't even know where to go, uh, from there with that. Uh, Seth, I, I I watched, I watched this movie already and I loved it. 
to the point yes. where I feel like I think I've been trying to get you to watch it for a while. I know you definitely mentioned it to me right after you watched it for the first time. Mm-hmm. That was like we we definitely had a conversation about it. And I know you mentioned it a couple of times. And when we sat down to plan out this season of the show, it was one of the first things that you came mm-hmm. up with that that you wanted to do together on the show. Yeah, it's a, from somebody who had seen it and saw it again. It's a great movie. I'm curious your thoughts on seeing it for the first time. I have so many thoughts. <laughs> uh, I have a lot of no, like uh, the thing that is kind of the narrative around the film. Like, let me backtrack. As far as like a film making like the craft that's happening there are some really really cool things happening and lots of really really great moments um there's the color palette i think is just really solid throughout uh that's something that gets overlooked i think and we're going to talk about it later in our second movie as well but it's this really it's a subtle thing, but there is a very complete and thorough idea of like, this is the, what the world of this movie looks like as, as much as it's trying to be realistic. It, there is a very clear vision of that. Um, there are several filmmaking moments that I was just like, Oh wow. They pulled that off. Uh, there's a moment where Spear who was an architect, like a literal architect was building buildings in the Nazi regime is standing in front of all of these crumbling buildings that he helped design and build. And then they're all kind of crumbling around him. And I thought that was a really powerful moment. And then the other really powerful thing is that for the most part, towards the end of the movie, if you know anything about kind of the downfall of the Nazi regime, everyone is killing themselves because they'd rather die for the Nazi cause than like be tortured or be taken prisoner. And almost none of those are shown on camera. In fact, there's a couple where the, the camera is watching up until the moment it happens. And in the case of the Goebbels, uh, kind of Goebbels, Goebbels, sorry, I didn't take German in high school. Uh, um, in, in the case of the Goebbels, uh, he's kind of Hitler's like right-hand man. It Goebbels, shows yeah, Goebbels them, was the head of propaganda, too. Right, right. It shows them preparing to kill him and his wife, preparing to kill themselves. And then the camera literally turns away like someone who can't stand to watch. And I thought that was really, really powerful. Uh, just a really great piece of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. But the thing that stuck with me the most uh, is the thing that everyone talks about around this movie, which is the decision to portray Hitler. Number one, portray Hitler at all. Right. Uh, Because it's Adolf Hitler. But then on top of that, the decision to show him in all of his nuance and contradiction. Mm -hmm. And I was curious, like, for you, I have a lot of thoughts about that, just having seen it once. But having seen this at least twice now, like, 
what is that represent like what are your feelings and thoughts on depicting hitler in a, in a certain way i mean i really like it uh i liked that they showed him with parkinson's um mm-hmm. but also like kind of hiding his parkinson's still um because it shows <laughs> uh it feels weird saying this but like it humanizes him um but not even just the humanity of it it's it takes this infallible in his own eyes and in the eyes of many of his people person and shows his weakness right. his imperfections it shows I mean, it also shows his sensitive side. That's not with the Parkinson's, but uh, like the Parkinson's shows that he's, he's all about purity and perfection, but he himself is dealing with these things, those, those contradictions, like you said. Um, And then, but it also shows you don't think about Hitler as somebody who would offer a second chance to a secretary who messed up during a dictation in an right. interview. Right. Like you think of Hitler and you're like, Oh wow. No, he'd probably just shoot her. Not necessarily. Right. I, 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 definitely. According to this movie, not, uh, right. which is based. I'm pretty sure it's based off of her journal entries yes i well in um, interviews and kind of in interviews yeah yeah um so like it shows it shows like okay he's a monster but he wasn't a monster to everybody and so you can also see a little bit better how oh okay like there's like because if he was always on as this hatred inspiring person, then people might not be so in love with him. Right. In their devotion to him. Like they might be devoted to him, but they're not going to be all in and in love with him. Like so many people in world war two Germany were, uh, world war two Nazi Germany were, um, because you have to have a sensitive side for that level of devotion. And even though not as many people saw it, because he, he doesn't show it in like public settings at all, even in the movie, but he shows it in quiet moments with individuals. Um, yeah. Horrible person. But it was it was cool seeing that side that it that isn't often even addressed or right. considered. And, and what I, what I liked about this is that, so a lot of the criticism of this movie is from a lot of people is that it humanizes this man and shows you this charismatic and even kind side of this guy who is a terrible person who did many heinous and horrible things, but it, it it's easy now as removed as we are from 1930s and 40s Germany and the 1930s and 40s in general that 
it's easy to forget that Hitler was incredibly charismatic and like people voted for him. They didn't, they didn't, he did not take power so much as he like won power. Mm-hmm. And so what what's really good about this movie is that it makes you remember that people like a lot of people did not join the Nazi party because they were all in on these ideas, though plenty were. A lot of people joined in because they really liked the leader because he was charismatic and he was exciting and fresh and he made them feel like a million bucks as he does in this movie. And to me in the, in quote unquote humanizing Hitler, like that's the most terrifying thing you can do because what was, what is scary about him is not the ideology. That's not the most terrifying thing. The ideology is terrifying but the most terrifying thing is that it came wrapped up in this really charismatic and exciting package that lots of people bought into. Yeah, you can you can have somebody who's really uh, this just this violent extremist, but if they don't have the ability to bring people along with them, then it's just going to mm-hmm. die with them. Right. Right. And, and I think, at least for me in watching this, it, it reminded me that every, like the Nazis were not some sort of monolith where everyone thought and acted the exact same. I think it's a, another thing that's easy to do is to like paint in broad strokes and be like, all of the Nazis believed this. All of the Nazis did this. Everyone was behind Hitler and did this. But what you see in this movie is there's all sorts of intrigue and there's all sorts of Hitler isn't what he used to be and who's going to take over and all of this like vying for power that's going on behind the scenes as people see the desperation and people see what's happening. And that I think was really, really good to see that because again, like it's good to know that these things are not monoliths that they're all of these people. And it takes all of these people to make this war machine that destroyed millions and millions and millions of lives. That's my, that's my rant on the humanization (laughs) of Hitler, I guess. Um, was there anything there that like really stuck out to you? Like, I thought in in the humanizing of Hitler. Yeah. Like specifically like on the second time, did you see anything that like, did you notice anything new or anything different that really, really stuck with you? I specifically noticed the tenderness that he was portrayed uh, Mm -hmm. with like specifically when Thraudel messes up in his dictation and which is the first scene in the movie i think it's worth noting mm -hmm. yeah uh so they start off with saying he wasn't always violent and like yelling um and like the the pride in his dog 
Mm-hmm. And in that scene, what I what was so great about it was that there's this buildup into this scene where you see her and she's entering and they're nervous and you realize what's going to happen. And the, the guy who's leading them in uh, is like prepping them to be like, okay, he's a busy man. He, you got to watch out. You got to, you know, be careful, be careful, be careful. And then she goes in, she's like chosen first and sent in. And it's like waiting with bated breath to see like what's going to happen. Is she going to, is she going to be okay? And then you see she messes up and then it's like, Oh, what is going to happen here? And that's, that was, and, and that's how the movie starts. So it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, everything you think, you know, about what we're going to do is wrong. (laughs) And we're going to do something totally different. Yeah. So I, why don't we shift the conversation back into the stuff that we're actually really good at talking about, okay. uh, which is m- the actual movie making of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had another interesting question. Uh, this is a movie. So the way that this movie works is not like a traditional narrative in the sense that like a lot of movies, you know, there's your, hero's journey arc or whatever whatever kind of story arc however you want to put it there's typically some sort of sort of an arc but this is a historical narrative and so it's almost more like here's the structure nine days in the bunker leading up to hitler's death and then like the characters kind of just exist in that Mm -hmm. in a way kind of leading toward this inevitable conclusion but because of that there's not necessarily a traditional protagonist but i was curious if you had to peg somebody as the protagonist who who would you say so i i i noticed this when i was watching it uh as well where it's very very scattered um i think i mean i think this isn't an answer to your question but i think uh Traudel is definitely the main character because we're seeing it mm-hmm. from her perspective can um you, can you talk about your distinction between main character so and my distinction between main character and protagonist is the main character is the character from whom the majority of the story is told. Right. Um, It's Lucy in the Chronicles of Narnia, not the Chronicles of Narnia, at least in the line, the witch in the wardrobe. There you go. Um, It's, uh, I just watched it. It's, it's Leonard in Memento. But then you might it's, say it's like uh never mind, I'm not gonna go there. Uh it's it's Leonardo DiCaprio in Inception. Like it's would but you, you can have you would you say it's Leonardo the main character as far as like who we're seeing the the film through? Yeah, it's it's in the Inception? person from whom yeah. the story's persp- it from whom we see the story's perspective. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, from whose perspective we see the story. Yes. 
okay. yeah. So, uh, so I think that's throttle because for one, this is largely based off of right. her memory, um, her actual memory. Um, protagonist is the person, the character who experiences the most significant growth. Oftentimes they're the same person. Sometimes they're not in the Chronicle in the line, the witch in the wardrobe. I like using that as an example because I think to, to me, the protagonist is Edmund, but yeah. the main character is Lucy. Um, so I like using that because it does to me have a distinguished, an easily distinguished difference between those. Um, so, so the main character is a POV character mm-hmm. and then, um, and then a protagonist is someone who undergoes the change of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Change it, is better than growth because it can be positive or negative change. Right. And, and most of the time, a lot of the time that's the same character. Yes. Like in inception, it's Leonardo DiCaprio's character in memento. It's Leonard in this. It's really hard to tell I, because it's so I, scattered. Well, I think that there's a case for Trottle in the sense that it, a lot of this movie is about her losing her innocence around mm-hmm. um, what's going on. So one of the things that we learn about Trottle at the end in some documentary footage is that really at 22 when she became Hitler's secretary, she didn't know anything Mm -hmm. about who Hitler was and what the Nazis were and what they were doing. Like she didn't know any of that. Um, and she later on says like, she like should have, there's no real excuse for not, but Mm -hmm. she, she talks about how really a lot of what happened to her towards the end of the war and after was learning just how terrible the things that she was involved in or somewhat involved in were. Um, so I, I mean, I think that they try to, I think the filmmakers channel a lot of what she underwent after the war into kind of her realizations in the bunker here. I still don't quite think she's the protagonist because okay. she doesn't make many decisions. Yeah. That that push the story. Um right. I so I so, think So another another hallmark of a protagonist uh is that the they're the character undergoing change but they're also pushing the story along Mm -hmm. by their decisions. Yeah. So in this, I think it's Hitler. I think Bruno Gonza's Hitler is the protagonist, even though that would mean the protagonist dies with 20 minutes of the movie. left. Yeah. 20 minutes left in the movie. Um, cause he makes the most, decisions like they don't help him uh 
they don't necessarily make things worse, but like I think he, I think yeah, I think I think Hitler's the protagonist. Okay. I which yeah, again I mean, feels weird because it feels like it's ascribing something positive to him, but you can have a bad person who's the protagonist. Right, right. There are plenty of movies that have a bad person. And it's also worth noting that any sort of applying structure to something after it's written it ultimately doesn't matter. Right. Um, because it, it, I, I, I think I disagree. I think, I, I think that I would say that Trottle is the, is the protagonist because we do, we end up following her for the last 20 ish minutes of the movie and seeing her come to grips with everything that happened and figuring out what happens next. And so I, I think that she's like, I think that she is that for sure. Maybe not for sure. For sure is a strong word, but I, my, my gut says that as the filmmakers were writing this movie, it was, we need to see how Trattle comes to terms with seeing the depth of the Nazi regime. And I think that's why the movie starts and ends with documentary footage of her. I would say the documentary footage at the beginning and end definitely solidify. It it, it would allude to her being the protagonist, but it definitely reinforces that she's the main character. Definitely. Yeah. But I really don't think, and this is not a debate podcast. Another reason why I'm not, I don't, I really don't think she is the protagonist because she doesn't really make any decisions, Mm -hmm. but as things happen, Hitler responds to them further digging, like digging himself into his own grave. And then at the climactic choice, he makes the decision to kill himself, which sure cuts the protagonist out of the last 20 minutes, but is a distinct choice that does like it launches the movie into the falling action. And his specter is definitely over the last. last, Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, since we touched on it, what did you think of the documentary footage at the beginning of the film? I think it's fine. It helps set the context. Yeah. It helps you know where you are and when ish you are because there's also a time jump. Right. Right. Like it's like a two year time jump uh, that I don't know if, if you read this, but, uh, in the course of between the time jumps, uh, Thraldol gets married and maybe her husband also dies. Yes. So like between the time jump, she might even still wear a ring, but her last name definitely changes. Like they refer to her with different last names between the two timeframes. That's true. Um, so like, I think it's helpful because it sets the context of that time and how everybody's in support for the most part before going into yeah, but yeah, 
I, so there's, there's a piece of documentary footage and then it launches into like her in the narrative, like an actress portraying Treadle in her, her interview for the, for the position of secretary. And for me, like I, I felt like this, the documentary footage of Trottle as an older woman, like talking about her experience. I thought it was fine. I just, I, I would have, I think enjoyed, not enjoyed, enjoyed is a strong word, but I think I would have rather been put into the narrative and been given Here's your person, follower, rather than here's her and her feelings about the Nazi regime. Boom. Okay, now we're going to throw you into the story and then bring her in at the end again. I, I think that the documentary footage at the end is fine. Like that doesn't bother me at all. Like being able to see and hear her is really good. It was specifically at the beginning. It, it, it threw me off. Where at the beginning, I really just wanted to be like thrown in the story. And it was just like, it, it took me a second to like get readjusted and reoriented into the narrative. I felt after being given this like documentary footage. Yeah, I think that's fair. Do you have any kind of closing thoughts, like things that you were thinking about that you really just wanted to say? I think this is a it, it, again it's weird saying this about a movie about Hitler but I think it's a very beautiful movie and a very powerful movie um Yeah it's just it's just a great movie about a terrible situation in person Yeah I agree with that did did you think that you would be the first person to pick a foreign language film for this podcast? I mean, we did Parasite last season. Oh, dang it. Never mind. I was I'm the first one for this you. season. I was ready to dunk on you. Um, I, I would not have expected that, but I also apparently have better memory than you. Yeah, well, <laughs> that I think we knew. Uh, um so with, without parasite no i would not have expected but but therefore you weren't the first and therefore yeah, yeah it doesn't matter doesn't matter all right well since i've just made a fool of myself why don't we take a break <laughs> and we'll come back and talk about another movie about hitler and nazis and all that fun stuff that uh is not this movie that is radically different tone. That was a great segue. All right, let's just take a break. (laughs) Hey, what's up? This is Seth Scruggs, host of Rewatch, that show that you're listening to right now. And if you like this show, there's also a good chance that you would like our YouTube channel. You can find it, Mark Spots DX Productions, on YouTube. There's a link in our show notes. And over there, we have short films and behind-the-scenes content and a bunch of other stuff that we have planned for the rest of this year. 
you can go over there and subscribe. That really helps us out and helps other people find our work. And if you like this show and you want to help other people find our work, you can follow the show, give us a review and a rating, and that really helps other people find our work as well. All right, let's get back to the show. All right, we're back. And before we jump into our next film, Jojo Rabbit, I wanted to mention there were two films that were definitely tossed out as options when we were talking about this. So we've been trying to thematically link every episode this season. You can let us know how we're doing, if we're doing a good job or not. Uh, You can tell us what you think. But I think we've been doing a pretty good job. And Zach suggested Downfall and I recommended two movies, uh, but we'd both seen both of them. Uh, but I wanted to give them a little bit of a shout out here while we're while we're talking about this. And that's uh, The Great Dictator with Charlie Chaplin, uh, a phenomenal movie also about Hitler. And uh, just and the history of that movie was so great. I wanted to talk about that on the podcast was the history of The Great Dictator. But alas, we're not doing that. And then uh, Inglorious Bastards, which is ah, Quentin Tarantino's so just epic World War II movie. Highly recommend both of those movies. Uh, go go see them. I think Zach yeah, has a third one. No, that's that's ha- that's what he does in Inglorious Bastards. Oh, okay, never mind. Uh, yeah, I, so this, fun. This so is really good for the audio audio people that. Uh, well, were, okay, I held up three fingers the wrong way for Germany. Yes. Uh, fun fact. I watched when I, this is very tangential. When I watched The Great Dictator, it was in Intro to Rhetoric. Which, if you've seen the movie, is really funny because there's no rhetoric. No yeah. rhetoric. Well, and and, and specifically, this was written rhetoric. This was not even like intro to speech or oration or any of that. I can't remember why we watched it. And this was a college <laughs> class. This was a college class. That's why you watched it. Yeah. Let's talk about Jojo Rabbit. Let's. It is a 2019 film. Great year for film 2019. Uh, and it's written and directed by Taika Watiti. It stars Roman Griffith Davis as Jojo Thomas McKenzie as Elsa Scarlett Johansson, as Rosie and Takawatiti, a Polynesian Jew, as Hitler. Uh, along with uh, Rebel Wilson and Sam Rockwell, and I, I don't even, just tons of other little little roles uh, throughout. And, and Jojo Rabbit follows Jojo, a young boy who wants to be part of the Hitler Youth, as he deals with the realities of Nazi Germany, uh, ultimately getting injured in a Hitler youth camp and forced to stay at home, where he finds out that his mother is hiding a Jew in their house and is uh, secretly working for the resistance. And so this little Nazi boy, whose imaginary best friend is Hitler, has to deal with the realities of growing up and yeah man that's that's about all there is to say about that um 
I, Zach, you seeing this for the first time. Mm-hmm. How how did how had you not seen this? I hadn't gotten around to it yet, and then yeah. uh, because it came out, and I did, I didn't see it in theaters, and then it like wasn't on Netflix or anything. Um, because right. this so. is one that's like right up your alley. Right? Oh yeah, like, I enjoyed it yeah. a lot. Yeah. Did are, had you seen like Hunt for the Wilder People? So like, have you seen Taika's other work? That uh, isn't... That's the one with with the kid from Deadpool Two, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've not, but it's been on my list for a while. Yeah, great movie. Um, I was not counting Thor Ragnarok in Taika's work. I have seen Thor Ragnarok. It, yeah, uh, <laughs> this is not a Thor Ragnarok podcast. Uh, but it was, I was just curious because it's a very he has a very particular tone, um, and so I was curious what you what you thought about that. What do you think about the movie in general? So one thing I noticed after I reviewed this film on Letterboxd is we both noticed the similarities this movie has to a Wes Anderson movie. (laughs) Uh, Because I believe your review of this was Moonrise Deutschland. It it was. The first review. The first review. The The second review. review I went more nuanced. Yeah. And, and my review, not having not like not taking into consideration your review, I'm sure I'd read it before, but I was, I did not remember it, uh, was Moonrike Kingdom. <laughs> so we both made this the is, same this joke. Is why we're friends. Yeah. This we both made friends. the same joke because it's, it feels like if Wes Anderson made a Hitler movie. Right. Right. Um, I will say on, on a second viewing, it felt more distinctive than mm-hmm. like it felt like I, I feel like I got more of the nuances of what was happening and there were definitely still there's some of those like quirky things where Tyke is kind of being quirky, but it felt more its own thing than a Wes Anderson wannabe. Okay. Um, and I'm not saying it's like lesser for no, feeling no, no, like no, no, Wes no. Anderson. It's just, it's just weird. Cause it's like, this feels, this feels like Wes Anderson, um, minus the fish eyes. But I thought it was really good. I thought it was, again, it feels weird saying this about like Nazis, but like it was fun. <laughs> right. Right. Um, in a. Uh, in it almost in an in an aware way where right. like they they aren't praising nazis i don't know because everything does is very apparently pro-nazi even though the entire movie is a giant satire against nazism and hitler yeah i thought i thought it was really good because it did carry that balance where even though like this kid loved Hitler and really wanted to do everything for Hitler and wanted to be a Nazi and all that and hated Jews and all that. It, it shows very frequently why that's 
not good. Yeah. Like you, well, you see the humanity of, of everyone and the, uh, like the, the ridiculous side, not the ridiculous side, but like the, you see how crazy Nazi ideals were. Yeah. I think that like, it's a, it's a razor's edge that they're walking on. And I think that they, they nail it. Like I think that they get there where basically they're just like, okay, Nazis were crazy and the things that they believed were crazy. And the role that, and the things that propaganda led people to believe was crazy. And so rather than try to make it realistic and, you know, this realism and, you know, cause it could be like, if you go too light, then you've got this like comedy about Germany in world war two and you ignore all of the horrors that happen. If you go too dark, you just have like this really dour movie about a 10 year old who's like sad all the time, <laughs> which has been done. Like, yeah. So you, you have to find this like middle ground of being able to say like, man, the Nazis were crazy and everything that they believed was utterly ridiculous. But also those things that they believed really led to some terrible horrors and crimes against humanity. And I think that the fact that we see that Jojo is our protagonist, but also the main character where he's, he kind of wakes up. Like, obviously we come into the movie carrying the fact that, um, we know that Nazis are terrible people, but we watch him kind of wake up to this fact over the course of the movie. And the fact that like by the end of the movie, he's seeing in all of this terrible, in all of its glory, for lack of a better word, <laughs> the, the things that like come to pass when the Nazis are in power. And he comes to realize all this and you're kind of on that journey with him and you get, and so it allows the filmmakers to say, ha ha ha. Isn't it ridiculous that like people believe these things about the propaganda and the Jews and whatever. And yeah, it's exaggerated and yeah, it's a comedy and like, but they were like, no, they spread propaganda and isn't that ridiculous but then also here's here's what all of that led to. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like they they nailed it. And it's such a such a thin line. In more ways than one, if it wasn't made by Taika ITT, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. Um for one, he played Hitler, which a Jewish man playing Hitler is awesome. Um, and it, it shows he's, he wants, like he cares about his cast. 
and that like he he was he's making this movie where Hitler is a character, not real Hitler, at least in Jojo's imagination, but still. And he wasn't going to pass the role of Hitler on to somebody else. And it's worth noting that he does not out act or outperform the movie. Right. Here either, like the role of Hitler, like it's easy in a lot of the promotion and stuff to be like, because it's Taika Waititi who was coming off of this massive Marvel film and was kind of a celeb, like was in the moment a very like big person in the news. And it's like, he's Hitler. And so it's easy for that to become the main thing, but really that's like a smaller part of the movie Mm -hmm. than a lot of the other themes that are happening. And it can be really tempting for an actor who's also the director to shine the light on them or to go really big and to not pull themselves back from the brink of whatever they're doing. But Taika does not outperform the movie. He does not make himself too much of a star or too little of a star. He really just allowed, like, he is the perfect piece of the puzzle here. I think my favorite scene, maybe not of the movie, but definitely uh, of Taika in it, is when uh, Jojo's, I think he's reading a letter to, uh, to Elsa and it the camera pans and then you see hitler sitting on the couch and he's like no go go keep going keep going keep going you got this right uh and then it pans back and that's all you see like it's just quick is like no no no, you've got this uh because it it almost felt like it almost felt like a behind the scenes of like like it, it like you weren't supposed to see taika but taika was just being encouraging to Jojo. Uh, and and I, I really, I really liked that scene. It felt very warm. I think that, um, Taika directs young and unexperienced actors really well. Uh, I think that, I mean, and that was, that's the case with, um, hunt for the wilder people. Um, I mean, I know you haven't seen that, but a young, inexperienced actor at the center of the frame for that entire movie. And then the same here, like Roman Griffith Davis uh, is is a young kid, hasn't been in much. And the whole movie rests on him. And I want to, I mean, like, I don't want to give that all to take it. Like his performance is really, really good. And he, he does a great job. But I think that's also on Taika to create the environment where this young kid who this young kid who really doesn't know a lot about, I would assume the world that he's portraying and to be able to bring him in and make him feel comfortable enough to give these, this really great performance and these really tender moments that I think can be overshadowed by the ha ha ha. Isn't it funny? Taika Waititi's Hitler of it all. Um, It's really a movie about, loss of innocence and joy coming out of sorrow and growing up just set against this background of, of world war two. Uh, 
another thing, since I talked about the color palette of Downfall, I want to talk about the color palette of this movie uh, because it's phenomenal. Uh, a lot of movies will lean toward... So, and I think this is where the Wes Anderson comparison comes in a little bit, but I think, mm-hmm. but I don't think that it's necessarily accurate where Wes Anderson will like drench his movies in like certain colors. I think this movie very tastefully does something different. Not to say I don't like Wes Anderson movies, but I think it's a, it's a very different movie that requires a very different touch. Yeah. And, uh, but, but rather than go for this kind of hyper realistic thing, that they could have gone for and that would have made sense and it would have, it would have been good. They really go for this really saturated red and green color palette, uh, which is a hard, hard color palette to pull off because otherwise it just looks like a, like a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it, it really works. I think it here and it, it just, I think it plays into that theme of, innocence and this bright poppy world vastly different tone um than downfall and i think that that because of that because of the color palette like it shows from the get-go like this is going to be a little bit of a different tone and yeah it's a world war ii movie but (laughs) going to be a little bit different and let let me prep you for it jumping into that i i didn't pay attention to the specific color palette Uh, i noticed i mean it makes sense based on the era a lot of also bright tans um Mm -hmm. which sounds weird because it's it's almost a yellow but it's not quite um and it's definitely not like a it's not a desaturated color in this it's definitely vibrant and present um which is impressive that they took a dull color and brought it into vibrancy yeah and and i think that 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 vibrancy is so important to the tone of the film um just establishing visually that this is something different also, I'll say this. It would have come off a lot less like a Wes Anderson movie if it hadn't started at camp. Right. It like it, it didn't feel are, like a Wes Anderson movie. It felt like Moonrise Kingdom specifically. The, the comparison to Moonrise Kingdom is very apt for that beginning. Like it's very obvious, especially because I definitely confuse edward norton and sam rockwell all the time uh they are basically the same person in my head and uh i definitely thought that edward norton was in jojo rabbit for much too long (laughs) all that to say the yeah it, it feels like moonrise kingdom for the first little bit there um and and it comes out of that i think when we get when you get into the further stuff i think that taika does heart better than wes anderson does i agree i think that he's able to play into the emotions a lot better i feel like we can't 
leave this conversation about this movie without talking about Scarlett Johansson and her performance in this movie, which I found to be just the most, what maybe the most compelling part of the, maybe, I don't know. I, I found her performance very, very beautiful. I really like imperfect parents in movies. In movies, I really like imperfect parents who are still trying. Right. So she's like, a good parent. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. She's a good parent right, because right, she's right. putting in effort, but she's not perfect and she knows that. And right. she doesn't pretend that she is perfect. Um, like she she snaps at Jojo in a scene and then she addresses it though. Like, and she embodies compassion both away from Jojo's eyes and in front of Jojo, mm-hmm. even though he's pushing back against her with every fiber of his being, she still is like, compassion is worth it. Um, yeah, I I love how I love how she how the mom was portrayed. Yeah. Any anything else that you want to put? I mean, there? if she if she were his dad, then I would put her in a letterbox list that I have, but Which she's is- not. It's it's like some uh, what is it? Uh, the list is called movies where the dads are actually really awesome and not aloof, distant, or absent. <laughs> it's got but four instead, in it right now. But instead, this is a movie where the dad is aloof, distant, and absent. Well, dead. No, no, no. He's Presumably. still alive. He's still alive? He's still, okay. He's still alive. I assumed he was he's dead. Work- no, because he's working for the resistance. Oh, okay. Instead of instead of the Nazi army. Oh, Okay. I he is a deserter, which is a a point that comes up early in the film. Okay. Um, I thought he was assumed a deserter, but he was dead in action. No, no, he was a deserter and Jojo didn't want to believe that he was a deserter. Okay. Because that would mean that his dad was not a true Nazi. Yeah. And a true German. Yeah. Um but yes, that this movie does not fall into this category because of that. But not, I mean, it 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 would be fine if Scarlett Johansson was the dad, but she is not. So, and it's that's never mind. I I'm talking myself into a hole that didn't exist yet. Do you, do you want to end the, Do you want to end the show there so that you yes, can, please you can walk yourself out of that hole yeah okay this has been rewatch this is the show about movies we love movies we haven't seen yet uh you can find me on the internet seth scruggs at seth scruggs on instagram and letterboxd zach people can find you um on instagram at zachary is thinking and letterboxd at zachary vaughn 
And if you want to watch along with us this season, we have a list on Letterboxd that has all of the movies that we'll be watching. Uh, we're doing 12 episodes this season, so there are 24 on there. Uh, and you can go see what you've seen, see what you haven't, catch up with us. There will be a link for that in the show notes. Also in the show notes is a link to our YouTube channel. You can go there, you can subscribe. We got all sorts of good stuff coming to there and uh, make sure you follow and uh, leave a review for the show because that helps it out. That helps us out, helps people find uh, what we're making. So if you like this, uh, leave us a review, follow us, share it with a friend. All right. Zach? Just just a reminder, the Nazi regime and way of thinking was and is dangerous. Hitler was not a good person. And with that, we'll see you next week when we are going to talk about sports. Woo! See you then. See you then.